come to what my friend Len refers to as the gateway drug of Christian spirituality. We're glad you're here, man. And our hope is that you wouldn't just come and enjoy a service with us. Man, we want you to deepen your relationship with Jesus. We want you to round out your spirit. And we, we want you to be completely and perpetually transformed because of your participation in church. And, and of course, that requires all kinds of stuff from you. That requires all kinds of stuff from us. But, but we're committed to that, man. We, we want things to be good. Amen? No, you, don't, don't summer Sunday me, friends. I will. Yeah. All right, here, let, let's look in the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Man, I love, I love this letter. I like the imagery in it. I like him talking about this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, I love him talking about the weight of glory, uh, talking about the strength of our hearts as we are renewed daily in Jesus Christ. And um, a, couple, a couple of months ago, I was discipling a group of ex-military uh, combat veterans who were all struggling with PTSD. And we were talking and chit-chatting back and forth. And, and truth be told, I love the military. I mean, not just because, you know, you're supposed to love the military or not, not just because I'm grateful for what they do and not just because my brother's in the military and so I feel a kinship. But I love it because they like to talk trash, man. They are my favorite people to hang around. Their love language is mockery. That's my love language too. These are my people. And so I would go to the gym and hang out with my friends and we would invariably get caught up in these really deep conversations and as a result of all these little one-off meetings we decided we'd get together as a group in my office so so for a couple of months a few folks from west winds and a, a few of these military guys man we would get together and study the scripture and one question that always came up i mean it came up for every single one of these fellows who'd you know been deployed and been to all kinds of nasty stuff that they, they would always ask why am i here now, sometimes they were asking because they felt guilty that they were stateside instead of still back on deployment, and they had friends over there they were worried about. And, they, and sometimes they were asking because they just plain old missed the action, uh, the sense that they were making a difference in the fight against terrorism worldwide. Some, sometimes they were asking just for normal reasons, like, I don't know what I'm going to do now that I'm back here um, because I don't, I don't know what career to choose, etc. But that, that question always kept coming back. And that's really the question for today, because it's a question every one of us is asking, although sometimes we articulate it a little differently. So I want you to imagine coming home from work one day, and you're excited to see your family. I mean, you're, you're tired, it's been a long week, but you think, okay, I'm going to get home, I'm going to see the kids, and I'm going to see my, my wife, husband, whatever. And then you walk in the door, and it's, it's not like you were hoping. Kids are a little off. You know, you go to give them a hug, they get crappy and rangy and they run away and, and you think, that's all right, it's been a long day for them, I don't have too high expectations, this will be okay, and then you sit down to talk to your loved ones and, and that's not great either, you work too much, you're gone too much, you get home and you're not ready and you just expect everything to be okay and, well, fortunately, you were insightful enough to bring home pizza for dinner you know, because you wanted to take the pressure off everybody, give them a little treat, but, but now the pizza's cold and it's not the right kind. And as you're eating the pizza, 
Everybody's mad about it. So then eventually you hit that point where, where now you're mad at them for being mad. And that evening deteriorates until your whole family all goes to separate quadrants of your home in a sort of fit of fury. Sometimes that erupts all over everything. And you wonder, why am I even here? Now, the, the Christian way to ask that question is to say, Lord, what is your plan for my life? But the honest way that most of us ask that question is we go, what the actual bleepity blank am I doing? What am I doing? How come the things that I have designed to love and serve the people around me are not appreciated? How come they don't work like I'd hoped? How come every time I try and make it better, I seem like I'm just making it worse? And maybe everybody around me would just be better off if I hopped on a plane and went to Madagascar forever. Now, you might not be feeling that way today. It's sunny outside, and that changes everything. And you might be coming to church going, well, I didn't really want to be depressed today, but I guess that's what's about to happen. But... <laughs> I think everybody hits a moment like this eventually, or a lot of moments like this, and so we, we really want to inoculate you against those moments. Now, in the moment when you're feeling frustrated like that, when you're feeling uh, aggrieved and, and burdened, encumbered by all this nonsense in your life, the best in-the-moment strategy is gratitude, and we'll, we'll come back to that at the end. But, but if you want to have less of these moments so that you find yourself falling into these traps with less frequency, then you gotta do some, you gotta do some big girl work. You gotta, you gotta figure out why you're here. So that you actually have an answer to this question that, that doesn't just show up when you need it, but an answer to this question that will sustain you even as you enter into moments that otherwise could be pretty disappointing, pretty hurtful, pretty painful. And those answers, of course, are going to be found in the Scriptures, although we'll all articulate it a little bit differently. I mean, you can't come to church and have me say, this is why you're here, write it down, and then have the problem be solved, right? No, no, you, you're, going to, you're going to have to put your big boy pants on. You're going to have to wade into the waters with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to, to do some work, man. But it would be worth it. I can, however, tell you that I found... The answer for me, the, the sort of guiding thought, the, the image that I carry with me that, that helps me in all these little moments, I, I found that in, in Genesis 12, where, where the Lord shows up to Abraham. Well, we'll, we'll let's put it on the screen here. We'll, we'll read it. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now there's a whole huge backstory going on with God and Abraham, Abram, later Abraham here, but, but for me I hang on to this scripture, and I think, man, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to bless. I want to bless. Now, blessing I like to think of it as that little button on the Facebook where you, you do this, you know? You can just say, I like that. 
you know, or maybe the little heart on Instagram, you can just say, here's a little plus one of affirmation or encouragement. That, that's biblically what blessing is. It's a, a kind of amplification of something that's already good. It's a magnification of something that's already good. If you want to put a finer point on it, blessing literally means that you're getting God's attention, asking him to shine a light onto something that's already good to make it gooder. That's what blessing is. When we bless something, we consecrate it. We hallow it. We make it holy. So for me, man, I, I look around and I go, I want to I bless. I want to bless good situations. I want to bless good people. I want to bless good relationships. I, I want to bless good circumstances. I want to bless my wife so that she feels loved and secure, like the good things in her are blossoming. I want to bless my kids so that they can identify the gifts and the abilities the Holy Spirit has placed within them so that they learn how to attend to the voice of God. I want to bless my church, our church, Christians, the kingdom, so that we begin to perceive the ways in which we're actually doing it right, so, so that we can recognize you can successfully shine a light into the darkness, and you're doing it already. And maybe with a little encouragement, we'll do it even better. I want to bless my friends and their families, their extended friendships and families, so that they know that the, the peculiar feature of kingdom is brotherly love, that they can trust me to shelter them in the midst of difficult seasons. And that I want to bless. I want to bless everybody insofar as I'm able. And that, that carries me into almost every encounter. That carries me into almost every conversation. That, that guides me when I'm sitting down having a cup of coffee, when I'm praying with somebody, when I'm counseling with somebody, when I'm working out with somebody. All I want to do at all times is find something good and throw gas on it so that it becomes hotter, stronger, more abundant, more pure. But it doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes you try and bless somebody, and it, it just sort of falls flat. Your love, your friendship, your, your belief in something. I mean, some, maybe you got a relationship like this where you're just, you're giving everything you got into this relationship, and it's, it's like a black hole. You're looking down and going, well, that was a big waste. And so, of course, sometimes you, you carry yourself into a conversation or into a scenario, and you're, you're offering everything that you have. And, and it gets twisted or, or misconstrued or, or there's somebody else working against you somehow. Or, and then you think, well, this sucks. <laughs> what am I doing? And at that moment, I realize even when I have something carrying me into a situation, even when I know why I'm here, I'm here to bless everybody. I'm here to bless all the good things that the Lord has made that I can authenticate and consecrate. I know why I'm here. But, but even when you know there's like a little uh, danger. And in my case, it's that sometimes I forget that I'm just there to bless, and instead I think maybe I'm also here to fix I like problems. I like solving problems. I like solving organizational problems. I like solving puzzle problems. I like solving design problems. But people are not my problem to fix. The problem is that I'm really good at identifying problems. I'm really good at finding things that need to be fixed. 
good at finding things in relationships that are dysfunctional that need to be addressed. I'm good at finding character flaws in myself and others. It's, it's, it's not hypocrisy to say we're all a bit crummy, right? <laughs> I'm really good at finding things that need to be fixed. And as soon as I stop blessing and start fixing, all kinds of bad things happen. Not the least of which is that I'm mad that they're not fixed yet. You remember that movie, The Incredibles? Mr. Incredible sits down for an interview, the superhero of superheroes, and he say, I keep saving the world. Sometimes I just want it to stay saved for like 10 minutes. That's what happens when you try and fix people or fix relationships or fix the thing. You can't fix anybody. Now, maybe you're an adult and you have adult children. Maybe your adult children have children. Well, you already know how hard it is to fix them. You couldn't raise them right the first time. Why'd you think you're going to get it right time number two? But that's what happens. We look at them and we go, I loved you so much when you were a kid. I wasn't the best dad, but I was a pretty good dad. Now I'm giving you everything and you're, you don't even want to get better. And that, that posture that I can fix you or that I have the wisdom and the insight to fix you or your situation, that, that posture drives us away from each other. We wonder why the screwed up people don't listen to us. We wonder why they don't make the changes that it's so clear they need to make. And our, our heart is pure-ish. And the more intensely we try to fix the more it's all perceived as condemnation, judgment, disapproval, and the relationship fractures and finally dissolves until we don't even know how to talk to them anymore because everything just seems like a mess and we're back to wondering, what am I even doing here? And so we have to be reminded. In my case, I gotta be reminded, I'm, I'm not here to fix. I'm here to bless. I'm here to bless. I'm here to find the good things that the Lord has already placed in the people around me and to put energy on it. I want to be a, a, a battery of blessing so that the people around me are charged up. I want to be an engine of blessing so that the people around me feel like they're, they're gaining a little momentum, like they can do it. And even though it doesn't always come out the way I want, when I focus on blessing, then I'm focusing on the things that I can control. Because I can't control whether or not somebody will get healed emotionally, spiritually, relationally, whatever. I can't control whether or not somebody else is going to do something else with my blessing. I can only control whether or not I'm going to give it. My affirmation, my encouragement, my love, my support. You know, we had this, this fantastic week here at West Winds. It was an exhausting week, but it was so cool running this design workshop. We had four of our staff members pour into about a dozen uh, guys and gals aged 12 through 20, and, and we thought, we're going to teach them everything that we know how to do with theology, with art, with media, with design. We're, we're going to teach them everything as though they were master's level students. And we ran them through their paces at a blistering speed every day. And, and it was a riot, man. We had so much fun. But I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really sure what to do with teenagers. I mean, I got a couple. I, I can know how to make them. I don't know how to, <laughs> what to do with them later. Um, and, of course, the rules are probably a little different with your own teenagers. I mean, if my son lips off, I throw him off the porch. Somebody else's kid lips off, I, I don't know, throw their mom off the porch. I don't know. 
But, but that's, that's the same thing that guided me this whole week because I go, all, all I want to do is bless, bless these students. And I don't know all the lingo. I learned some new slang. I tried to get Snapchat lessons. I still don't know how to make it work, you know, but all I can think of is I, I just want to bless these guys and gals. I ran into the same situation when Ben and I took a team from West Winds to the Dominican Republic. Originally, Ben and I were going just to, to sniff out these missionaries who we'd never met and we didn't know, and our philosophy is that you always want to do overseas missions with people you know and love and trust, and we ran out of those, <laughs> so we were looking for some new ones. So we made this connection via some friends of friends of friends. We went over to visit them, and, and I'm there, and Ben's running the team, Ben organizing the trip, and I'm just along like dead weight. And a bunch of times in the last two, three weeks before we went, I thought, God, I, I shouldn't even go. There's a lot going on at the church. I, I'm preoccupied. I really, I, I don't even know why I'm here. And then everybody had official responsibilities except me, you know, which I like to call that leadership, but it's not. <laughs> and so the only thing I did on that whole trip was I just, I just prayed and read my Bible. And we were meeting all these other churches and meeting all these other pastors. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read the scripture I'm going to be in prayer, and from the time I leave one pastor until we go to the next, I'm just going to pray for this pastor whose name I can't pronounce and whose church I'm never going to see again, and I'm going to ask that I, that I find something in the Scripture that maybe will minister to this other pastor, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to read the Bible and, and pray for him. It's rocket science. Now, we did this probably, I don't know, 12, 15 times. And then at the end, the missionary said to me, he said, you know, your, your ministry to these pastors was so powerful. They never had anything like it. I said, I didn't do anything. <laughs> they have a Bible. I just read them the Bible they already have. He said, no, it was a blessing. It was a blessing to say, hey, here's the words the Lord already gave you. Let me just remind you how good they are. Now, I feel really familiar with the scripture, so maybe I'm better equipped to do that than some other people, but at the end of the day, all I was doing was, it's just blessing. Now, in one sense, every Christian person is called to be a blessing. But again, you, you might identify your reason for being here slightly different than me, and, and I encourage you to think it through. So let me give you some some starting points for you to figure out why you're here. I mean, why specifically are you here? And the first thing you want to do is start with what you love. Start with the people you love, the circumstances you love, the, the topics that you love, the things you love to do. Just start with the good things in your own heart already. And then think a little bit about your, like how you're wired. You ever take a personality test? I've taken all the personality tests. As soon as somebody, you know, what used to be when I was younger, people would say, have you tried, you know, Myers-Briggs or the DISC test? Or, and I would say, no, those things are baloney. And now I, I just try them all. That way, and somebody said, oh, have you done the Enneagram? I've done it 10 times. I'm better at it than anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just try them all because I figure they cancel each other out. Uh, you know, uh, the, the highs and lows sort of get washed out. You can, you can kind of see, you, you can build a kind of meta profile and how you're wired and what you're going to enjoy and where you're going to flourish when, when you, you, you take into account that they're all, you know, imperfect. And so, so then move, move on to your unique gifts and abilities. Take, take a spiritual gifts test. Find out how God's wired you. Take every personality. Just figure out who you are. 
Because what you do flows out of who you are anyway. So you start with what you love. You, you, you figure out how you're wired. Then, then you got to try and figure out where you make the biggest impact. Now, be careful here, because a lot of you will go, well, I don't make an impact at home. I don't make an impact at work. I guess I just make an impact at the beach by myself, smoking cigars. You know, well, that's probably not the best answer. So think, no, no, where do you make the biggest impact? Where do you add the most value? Is it like in, uh, is it resolving conflict? Generating new ideas, innovations? Bringing disparate groups of people together? Identifying and solving problems? I mean, where, where do you add the most? Why are people glad you showed up? So now you're kind of getting a sense of it. And then the last step really is to just chill out, read the scripture, pray, and know that eventually you're going to start seeing the things that are in you in here. And you'll begin to talk about it. And this is critical. You'll talk about it with other people. You say, I was reading this in First Peter, and that made me kind of think, I'm, I'm a little bit like that. And you wait and see what they say. I don't think you are, bro. Okay, good. Good to know. Or they'll, they'll affirm it in you, and you'll start finding resonance between what God is doing in here and what God has already done in here. And you will come to greater and greater clarity about what you're actually doing here so that when you hit those moments where you don't feel like anything's working, you can take a step back and go, I'm not responsible for what's happening out there. I'm only responsible for what's happening in here. What's happening in here is that I am becoming an engine of God's blessing, trying to pour forth the good energies of God's Holy Spirit to bless and love and serve the people around me. And if that doesn't always quite work out, that, that's not entirely my fault. And I got to trust that the more deeply connected I am to God's Holy Spirit and the more purely I'm cooperating with his spirit to bless others, that over time I will make as much of a positive impact as I could, even though some things out there will remain unfixed. But that's not mine to worry about. Does that make sense? Now, I told you that in the moment... You can't really go through all this rigmarole. You come home from work, kids are manifesting demons, your husband is a sociopath, you had a llama in the front yard. I mean, you, in that moment, you need a quick strategy, and, and really the, the quick strategy, the best antidote to frustration is gratitude. Wow, there's over 50 different scriptures in just the New Testament about gratitude. When we studied the adventure of happiness, when we put all our research material together, we learned a lot about gratitude. We learned that people who write down three things every day for which they are grateful, are happier, are more successful, are more sociable, experience more unity at home, at work, and in their third places, and have 15%, reported 15% reductions in neck and back pain, which is just so weird, I feel like it's worth mentioning. I mean, gratitude is, is powerful. Now, when you come home and everything's a big disaster, of course, you're not, you're not grateful for the disaster. We don't have any problem identifying the things that are wrong, but it, it takes 
It takes discipline and commitment, intentionality to, to step back and, and identify the things that are good. Like, hey, maybe thank God I got a home to come to. Thank God I got these kids for the next five minutes before I murder them. You, know? you, you, gotta, you have to learn how to identify goodness instead of dwelling on disappointment. And it's not enough to just have the, the idea running through your mind, I should be grateful, but, but I won't be because this is dumb. No, no, no. No, no, you, you got you to write down. Write down what you're grateful for. And then, and then you got to talk about it with people. And this has become perhaps the, the most transformative spiritual practice that I've put into place over the last few years is just to, especially with my, with my family, with my, my kids, just, just to tell them what I'm, what I'm grateful for. And so if I come home from work and I'm tired, they go, oh, Daddy, you look tired today. I'll put my arms around him. I'll say, you know what? I love my job. I'm so grateful for it. I, I love that I have the privilege of working at Westwinds with some fun people. It's just so cool. I mean, where else can you go to, you know, go to church with a T-shirt that's got a meat cleaver and a skull on it? I mean, glory to God. That's fantastic, you know? <laughs> and and, and that, that, that gratitude and that, that verbalization of that gratitude, it changes your home. It changes the people around you. Now, that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to teach yourself how to identify goodness and be a grateful person. Because for yourself, you want to cooperate with God to be sanctified, to be purified, to be ennobled, to be matured. But the, the benefit is that it will also positively affect the people and the circumstances around you. So today, you know, you're going to go home and you're going to tell your kids things that you're grateful for and they're going to ignore you. That doesn't mean it didn't work. Because you're not doing it to fix them. You're, you're doing it to grow up. And then you're going to tell your husband what you're grateful for. He's preoccupied. He doesn't care. But you're not doing it to fix your husband. You're not even doing it to fix your marriage. You are learning how to identify and appreciate good moments and happy memories so that you can be reframed as somebody who's being consecrated by God's Spirit. After church, you're going to come out. You're going to shake my hand. You're going to tell me. I'm going to glaze over. And I'm going to walk away before you're done. But you're not doing that to fix me. You're doing this for you. Now, this whole month, we're talking about how to handle life's worst moments in the best possible way. And, and the truth is that the enemy comes after you, man. In the dark and in the quiet moments, when you're vulnerable and when you're alone, those Dark thoughts creep into your mind and tell you that you're worthless and that nothing you do makes any real difference at all and that the people around you would be better off if you just disappeared. Those are lies from the pit of hell. And you got to combat those lies. You got to fight back. And you fight back by understanding why you're there in the first place. I go, I'm here to bless. I'm not the only person here to bless, but there's only one person who can give a Dave McDonald-shaped blessing and hiccup in the middle of telling people about it. There's only one. That's what I got to do. I'm going to do that. It's not always going to fix everything. It's not going to make it, but that's, that's, that's why I'm here. 
And when I focus on why I'm here, I've got a sense of energy and passion. I feel like I'm being obedient. And that sustains me. That's why I'm here. Why are you here? Now, maybe you don't know yet. Maybe you can't articulate it yet. Maybe this is a thing you're going to write down on the little card to you know, tell your younger self, this is why you're here. Pro tip, this will save you a few years. But while you're struggling, and even once you know, man, you've you got to double down on gratitude. And thank God for all the good things you are permitted to enjoy. And that ability to identify goodness will make you stronger. And when you're stronger, you're more capable of being a blessing, which is why I'm here at least. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the good things, for good families, for good homes, for good churches, for good relationships, for good perspective, for good hobbies, for good treasures, for good things to look forward to, for a good summer, for a good day. You're good incomparably good and the gifts that come from you are sweet Lord we want to be people who are transformed by your goodness we want to be people who are who are caught up by your spirit in your word and change forever so, so help us in our ongoing quest to be more and more and more the way you want help us to figure this stuff out so that when life goes a little sideways, when we feel like giving up and going away, it's precisely your spirit growing in us that keeps us rooted and firmly in place as people who can be counted on by those we love and by you. We pray these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Now, we're going to worship God with our giving this morning, and it is summertime, so we encourage you to give. Give generously. Don't spend all your money that you set aside for the Lord on Disneyland. That'll make you feel so bad later on. I'm saying that for a friend. <laughs> yeah. But this is a great place, man, and we're honored that you're here. We're grateful that you give, and we encourage you that when you give, man, perceive it as an act of worship. Amen? Amen. All right, ushers, you come forward.